0: PropSwap is America's exclusive number one app to buy and sell sports bets. Kevin Bowen here. PropSwap is a huge advantage that I use to find the best odds in the country. Download the free PropSwap app today. And a weekend of free agency, so it's time for another edition of Kevin's Corner. Kevin Bowen, Chris Presley in a studio. Usually we have an alley view. Today we have a circle view here at MS Communications, the worldwide headquarters downtown Indianapolis. I don't know about you, man. I'm kind of in withdrawal a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Some Colts fans might say T.Y. Hilton withdrawal. Um, yes, that. But I'm in the little March Madness withdrawal.
1: Absolutely. What a great first weekend.
0: Do you ever get that like midweek in between this kind of first, second round? So the Sweet 16, I'm always kind of like, wait, what?
1: Yeah, I do. My
0: wife's like, "We're not watching basketball tonight." <laughs> <laughs> you know?
1: Yeah, I was like, "What do I bet on?" Yeah, you know, I'm last night too. it's like, "Do I?" I have to go back to betting on NBA and NHL. But I did like that it rolled over to Monday. At first, I didn't know how I was going to like it. Right. It was a nice way to kick off the week, still having those games there.
0: And usually, you know, we get back into it Thursday. You know, they mm-hmm. usually have Thursday, Friday, but unfortunately, nothing until Saturday, Sunday. So, um, obviously, on this podcast, we'll talk a whole lot about the Colts, the news items that have. Out in the last week, as we record this on Wednesday morning, T.Y. Hilton remains a free agent. We'll get into that. Some Sammy Watkins news yep. that we should hit on as well. And a shout out to Prop Swap. You guys heard that at the beginning? They're the new sponsor of Kevin's Corner. Um, for those of you that haven't heard of Prop Swap, it is an awesome website and app that isn't your typical betting platform. You know, for those that don't know, Chris, I guess Prop Swap basically, if you've got outright tickets for teams to win their region in mm-hmm. the N.C.A.A. tournament or Hell, Carson Wentz to win the MVP or the Colts to win the AFC South. You can take those to Prop Swap, and at any point you can buy or sell props. It's like eBay, right? Pretty much for props. So um, we've got a promo code guide, so G U I D E, and it's a hundred percent match deposit bonus up to five hundred dollars. It's very nice. So you cannot beat that. So check out Prop Swap again. They are sponsoring Kevin's Corner, and uh, in all seriousness, you guys know I, I wouldn't BS you with just some random. You know, sponsor. I I really do think it's a kind of a cool, different platform to go along with any sort of additional betting. So um, um, play around with their website, download their app, and uh, give them a give them a shot.
1: Yeah, they were smart. They listen to the podcast. They understand that we talk about betting all the time, and it's nice to be you know nice to be sponsored again.
0: Exactly. Nice to be recognized a little bit. So you guys will hear that throughout the rest of the year. All right, man. Let's get into it. Um, not a whole lot of flurry. Right. Um, some re-signing of their own since we last chatted a couple depth signings um I guess what what's kind of the biggest news you think Colts wise that 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 we should hit on first
1: I did like the bringing back of Xavier Rhodes yeah. and it was I was a little shocked by it still being another one-year deal a Same. lot of guys when they sign one-year deals they don't want to sign another one year because to them they feel like it's prove it but as we mentioned in form, previous podcast with the way the salary cap is this year, a lot of guys are doing one- and two-year deals.
0: You know, Chris, that's a great point. I also thought, as we got into that first wave of free agency really ending, I think it kind of ended you know, Thursday, Friday, last week. The road signing happened Saturday evening. I, I quickly thought to myself, okay, when you aren't going to address edge rusher in a real serious manner, which we all, I think, can agree on that's not happening, yeah. you've got to make sure that you come back and do something at the cornerback position because those two go hand-in-hand, rush and cover. Um, I think that was really paramount to Xavier Rhodes coming back means a whole lot more because you haven't done what I think you need to do at edge rush um, I, I could not agree more with you, Chris. I think the, st- the thing that stood out to me the most was the one-year deal, and I think Stephen Holder had a maximum value of $6.5 million. That's pretty darn affordable. Yeah. I thought you'd be looking at double digits um, for Xavier Rhodes. So those things stand out to me. Um, now, again, when we talked about Rhodes throughout the off-season, I made it very clear he is the most important free agent of the 15 you had. Having said that, I felt like Jonathan Gannon no longer being here would be the difference in him not coming back. Now, the Eagles had no cap room, so Jonathan Gannon, you know, going over to Philadelphia, I didn't think that was necessarily a marriage that would happen. I just thought Xavier would cash in, and he cashed in on a multi-year deal. Mm -hmm. But clearly the market, you know, wasn't, I guess, there for him. Um, To me, Chris, he's the best outside corner this team has had since Vontae Davis in those prime years that Vontae had. Uh, I like Kenny Moore a whole lot. I like Kenny Moore much more when he's playing the slot. Yep. And I just think it helps you put one of your best defenders in the spot that he's best at Mm -hmm. in in Kenny playing more inside. Um, And as we've talked about, man, look at the wideouts on next year's schedule. You know, Hopkins, Diggs, Metcalf, that 17th game, you know, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, A.J. Brown in your own division twice a year, you know you got to continue to groom those corners on your own roster. And I think having Xavier back is is really, really key. So I like a lot of what Chris Bowers done so far. I don't love love, but I, I, I like a good amount. You guys know. You, you heard it last week. I, I vehemently disagree with the approach to pass rusher, but I like Marlon yeah. Mack back. Mm-hmm. I like what you've done with Xavier Rhodes. And, man, just look at what he did in a contract year. And is he now going to be an approve-it deal again? Is he now going to have that mindset? I didn't think he'd have that mindset again. I thought he'd get a two- or three-year deal, so right. the motivation might dip a little bit. You know, one-year deal, he still should be pretty motivated. And, I mean, he brought down the completion percentage by about 30%, allowed that quarterback rating really came down in what he allowed last year. So, um, job well done by uh, Chris Bauer to get this done.
1: Yeah, and then you got to be a little bit excited seeing a name that that you're used to seeing, and hey Isaac, Isaac Rochelle coming coming to the Colts, former Notre Dame guy.
0: Hey now, shout out to a position group that really has excelled under Brian Kelly, and they've got a lot more depth in that group. And no one needs to hear me rant and rave about <laughs> Coach Kelly. Certainly you don't as a Tennessee Vols fan and someone that doesn't agree with my Notre Dame fandom. But <laughs> uh, let's focus on Isaac Rochelle with, with the Colts here. Chris, um, think depth, think rotation, think um, pretty trustworthy, not going to wow you athletically like maybe some other defensive linemen would. But just, you know, he's kind of your stereotypical Notre Dame player. And I don't think that's a negative connotation. I think it's a really solid football player that up front can play multiple spots. And I think that's what Isaac Rochelle can give you. You know, I've kind of labeled him a poor man's Denico Autry. Some people have I think thrown out he's the new Alqadine Muhammad. I think Alqadine Muhammad is a more of an edge presence. Rochelle with, with a little bit more of a pass rush flair to him. Rochelle's a little bit thicker. I think he's more of a D'Nico Autry poor man. Could play some edge, certainly on the early downs, but that's how I kind of view it with him. Similar to the offensive line moves, which we'll touch on before we get into Twitter questions, Chris. By no means, let me reiterate this, by no means is the Rochelle signing any sort of solve of your edge rush. No, 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 not at all. Having said that, when I looked at left tackle, when I looked at edge rush, the need did not stop there within those position groups. You need a depth. Right. I think yep. about it. Again, as of us recording this, Danico Autry's a Titan. Justin Houston's a free agent. Al Khadi is a free agent. I mean, those guys played a whole lot for you last they year. They did. You need bodies, period. And so I think that's where Isaac Rochelle comes in here. Durable, You know, hasn't missed a game the last three years. That's obviously really important when you talk about that group, which is a group that's kind of battled some injuries. As well, So I simply view this as, you know, one of the six or seven or eight defensive linemen you're going to play every game and don't really think he's a starter. Maybe out on the edge on early downs. I don't love that, but whatever he could be. And then can give you a little bit of pass rush from a couple spots. So um, again, he's not going on any billboard around Lucas oil stadium or anything like that, but he's a name you're going to see, rotate into the defensive line group throughout the year.
1: Yeah, and that, that depth, like you said, we saw another a depth sign in Tevi Sam Tevi coming over from the Chargers. Probably not your starting left tackle, you wouldn't think? I hope not. But no. another guy that you can rotate in and out if yeah. you need to.
0: And, you know, as of us recording this again, the Julian Davenport signing has not been official. Zach Kiefer, I think, has alluded to that happening. Um, when folks look into the Sam Tevi, Julian Davenport signings, they'll get scared. Um, you know, pro football focus grades will be around Chaz Green level, maybe even worse than Chaz Green. Um, and again, I want to be very, very clear with this: Sam Tevy, Julian Davenport, throw them into the depth pool, throw them in there, and just get competition. Get yeah. Will Holden in there. Um, you know, whoever else do you draft a tackle in the sixth round and say, hey, you're in the depth pool as well. We haven't seen the Colts draft a lot of offensive tackles lately, obviously. First or second round pick, again, it's got to go to offensive tackle, and that guy needs to start. That's how I view it. We'll see if they still think Braden Smith, Quentin Nelson, whatever. But that's how I view it. But I'm not freaking out of, like, Tevye and Davenport suck. They'll never play here. Those are horrific signings. Finding offensive tackle depth is difficult. Finding healthy offensive tackle depth is Mm -hmm. difficult. And I think that's what you got to look at with Clark and Green. Green battled injuries last year. Clark tore his Achilles in December. So those two are free agents. You just need some freaking bodies. Last year, the biggest mistake Chris Ballard made, as you've heard me say numerous times, was the lack of offensive line depth. It wasn't just it lacked quality depth, Chris. It lacked any sort of experience. Remember the stat that we said last year coming out of the draft leading into the summer at the start of training camp. You knew your starting five offensive linemen of all the backups, interior or tackle guys, not a single one of them. You got about 10 or 12 of them on mm-hmm. your roster. Not a single one of them had played an offensive snap in the NFL in 2019. <laughs> like what? Yeah. What? Yeah. How? That I mean, again, this is where I kind of am just like Chris wait. I'm talking Chris Ballard. Like what? <laughs> you know, this is your philosophy. This is your this is your 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 blue check mark on roster building, and yet you're going with all these guys that didn't even see the field last year in the NFL. So that's where you look at guys like Davenport, Will Holden, who I still like, you know, started against the Steelers right. and Tevi, and at least they've been in the lineup. At least they've started games because oftentimes with with tackles or any offensive lineman, you can't really script things in practice too too much. It's not like you rotate in during games, so when you get thrown in the fire, holy shit, man, you get thrown into the frickin' fire. And so the fact that you've at least been in that environment, have heard some crowd noise, whatever, I'm fine with it. Again, Sam Tevy, Julian Davenport, you know, when the offensive lines in Houston and the Chargers say that (laughs) we don't need you anymore, that's not great indication of you as a player, but at least their bodies – at least they're depth pieces, and at least they have experience. That's, that's how I view it. So I know some people, again, are freaking out, being like, these guys suck. Well, yeah, I mean, for the most part, a lot of offensive tackles, are backups, are mediocre. But at least create some competition. See if Chris Strasser or Kevin Moai can develop anything and find your tackle of the future in the draft.
1: Yeah, and and you're not the only one who said it. Chris Ballard has has said it himself, and I think he's a man of his word by coming out postseason and saying, I didn't give our offensive line the depth that we needed. I'm kicking myself over it. And so one of the first things that he addresses in free agency is going to get some experienced guys.
0: And, you know, see how it plays out. You know, when you look at the roster right now, Chris, let's say you go and you draft an offensive tackle in round one or round two. There's your starter. Braden Smith is your other starter. Right then you have Will Holden, Sam Tevy, Julian Davenport. Those three dudes aren't making the roster. In all likelihood, probably one makes it, maybe two. But maybe only one makes it. So, what you've created is some competition of guys that at least have NFL tape. Last year, you were, you, you, you did have competition with guys that had recent NFL tape. Right. And that, to me, was, again, such a head-scratcher. So, um, it, it's a step in the right direction. Is it cure-all? No. But it's a positive step. So, You know, I guess as we sit here now, a weekend of free agency, um, and I go kind of through the positions, you know, wide out, we'll see how the Hilton domino plays out, man. Part of me says the longer it goes, the more uncertain I get. Now that Kenny Galladay is off the market, you got to think T.Y.'s got a pretty crystal clear picture of his market. I will say this, Chris. T.Y. can be a bit stubborn. And I think Drew Rosenhaus is probably like, dude, we can wait. and the Colts clearly I don't think are making you know I don't I don't see the Colts being like hey man we're going to sign Sammy Watkins and your offers off the table to TY I don't think that you know I thought at the start of the off season, I thought you could re-sign Hilton and get that mid-level wide out so I <laughs> you got room to do both yeah but um, will they do both that's the question we'll see how the Watkins thing plays out I don't You know, I really wanted Sammy Watkins a couple years ago when he hit the open market coming out of Buffalo. He's just not the same guy. Um, More of a possession wide out. You know, he's certainly admitted that he's dealing with a lot of stuff off the field that has impacted him on the field. Young, what, four years younger than T.Y.? Mm -hmm. But durability-wise, he's missed a lot of games as well. So that's where I'm at at wide out. What else? Obviously, Edge Rusher, if you need to hear my opinion on that, go listen to last week's podcast. It still holds true. I, I don't I don't get it. I don't understand it at all. I think it's a big mistake. Like Xavier Rhodes, um, good for Anthony Walker. Yeah. Sign with the Browns. I mean, I fully think that's like Anthony Walker wanting to sign with the Browns. I know a lot of people are like, huge mistake, Bauer letting him go. Again, free agency is a two-way street, folks. Yes, it is. Like, Anthony Walker can make a decision on his own. So, good for him. Um... What else am I missing? I feel like that kind of covers that, it. That covers it. What do you think about Watkins?
1: Like you said, I think the nice part is even though he's lost a step, he's still pretty damn fast. Yeah. Um. And and he is a Dude, possession he has the receiver. overall pick. Yeah. I mean. That yeah. dude at
0: Clemson was.
1: Yeah, it took him a while in Buffalo, which with that quarterback carousel, that's not necessarily surprising. Yeah. You kind of saw a little bit more of who Sammy Watkins is with Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. I like that he didn't he wasn't wide receivers a lot of times are divas, especially when you're the fourth pick. I never got that feeling from him. Seems like a pretty good team player and understood his role in Kansas City. So he's a guy that if we're able to sign, I wouldn't be mad about it. I don't think you're getting I don't think it's like end of his career the way Andre Johnson was, you know. I think he still does have a couple more years left. It's just how much is in the tank.
0: Yeah, and again, I, I just look at it as a little bit of insurance at that position for Paris Campbell and right, and even T. Y. I think you got to have a little bit of insurance there if you were to bring him back. So, um, it, it's it's interesting, Chris. The more I feel like the majority of the fan base really, really wants Ty Hilton back.
1: Oh yeah, I, I mean there's a hashtag. Right, Which we'll get to in shorter questions.
0: Um, There's a sentimental value in all of that. But I also have heard more from people in the last few days of like, I would be okay with Hilton walking. I can listen to that side of view. I can listen to that opinion. I could have listened to it a lot more a week ago and agreed with it if you were going to make another wide-out move. Yeah. That was younger, more reliable, more durable, things like that. Now you're at the point wide receiver wise where th- th- there's still some names out there, but you're starting to get into like, oh wow, mm-hmm. that's Ryan Grant, <laughs> that's Kamar Aiken again, like those types of yeah. names. So that's where I still believe bringing back Hilton makes some sense. But um, yeah,
1: yeah, and as we mentioned before, coming on on the air, of course, something will happen by no, the time no, the podcast man. ends.
0: <laughs> like, we, we gotta hurry up. I just I have this feeling. I don't know. I really think, Hilton, you got to think it's done by the end of the week. But I don't know. Maybe they look at it and they say, hey, you're the best wideout here on this market. When teams get to the draft and if they don't draft wideouts, y- you can look at it twofold. Some people might say, hey, you got to take your contract now because teams are going to draft wideouts. Or the other devil's advocate will say, hey, get to the draft. They won't draft the wideout. Now you'll, mm-hmm. you'll be of need. But, again, does your market lessen? Instead of three teams that want you. Is it down to one team right, that wants you? So really, really interested to see how the Hilton thing plays out. But clearly the Colts have made an offer, and if the Colts really, really wanted him, they'd sweeten it. We know that's not right. Chris Ballard. So they have some skeptical reasons um, on their own end about T.Y. Hilton.
1: And I would think that he's to a point of his career, obviously you can never turn down money does talk. There is always a, a tipping point. But the guy's got to want to win at this, you know. So – He's either going to go to a contender that needs someone, and he's going to take less money, or he takes more money to go to a team where he's not going to have really a chance to make it in the playoffs. So, yeah, we'll see. It's
0: it's, it's interesting, man. Um, first time being a free agent, mm-hmm. so that <laughs> that that is interesting, I think, to him as well. Uh, but like you said, he's been very fond of his time here in Indy. You would think Carson Wentz would be attractive, I, I would think, given the arm talent and things like that. But um. Yeah, it's it's certainly it stirred up a lot of craze. and you got you know all the sub tweets from Kenny Moore and Zach right. Pascal and Paris yep. Campbell and all them. So.
1: all right, let's jump into Twitter questions. Let's Kevin. do them. Let's do them. We got a lot and a lot of good ones this week. Cool, per usual. But first one comes from Andrew. Says he hopes your family is doing well.
0: Thanks, Andrew. Same to you, man.
1: Sticking with the offensive line. Says I understand the signing of Julian Davenport from a depth perceptive Perspective. But Ballard got to see Davenport up close when he was with the Texans starting at left tackle in the 2018 season. Watson was sacked over 60 times that season and even had to take a bus to one of the away games due to that chest injury. Do you think he's any better than Chaz Green, LeRaven Clark, Will Holden as a backup tackle? Personally, Andrew's not sure.
0: Chris, let's start there. Deshaun Watson took a bus to a football game.
1: It's insane.
0: What? Yeah. Yeah, and I wasn't going with any sort of jokes on who might have been on that bus. We don't we, we don't need to go there <laughs> by any means. That's dangerous. But holy shit, he took a I mean, that's and that uh, Jacksonville. Like it's not like he was going to so, New yeah. Orleans or I don't know, going to play the Cowboys. I mean, God, ah, uh, Andrew. To your point, you know, we mentioned about Clark and the Achilles. Chaz Green banged up last year. You know, I, I personally liked what Will Holden what I saw in a game, but. I can be realistic about free agency, and say that finding backup tackles is difficult.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think when you look at Tevi, when you look at Davenport, two things that stand out is they are relatively athletic. I think a lot of length on Davenport. He was a fourth round pick, so I think the Colts are just saying, "All right, can we can we can we coach you? Can we teach you? We know we're not. You know, I'm not unrealistic here. If those two dudes are starting." <laughs> you're going to be watching the Colts in January. Like, excuse me, you're going to be on the couch with the Colts right. in January is how I should have phrased it. Um, throw all the mediocre options together and see what happens. Because guys are going to come in here and they're going to want any guy that is of, you know, we saw Joe Haig sign with the Steelers. I assume the Steelers are telling Joe Haig, you're going to have a chance to start. Like, any guy that's of decent value is going to have a chance to start. It's hard to convince guys of that. And so I just say... Throw them all in there, and one will spit out, and you really hope Braden Smith and the other rookie tackle stays healthy. But welcome to reality, folks. Anthony Costanzo, that was a luxury. This is reality for a lot of teams in the NFL right now.
1: Mm -hmm. All right, let's go to a question from Barnes, who loves your work, Kevin. This one's a unique one.
0: Ryan Barnes, I grew up with a Ryan Barnes. Big man, great post player back in the day. Great offensive tackle.
1: Something I would love to hear you discuss. Ballard says he's committed to a discipline approach. I think discipline should be treated like plate discipline as a hitter in baseball.
0: Oh, baseball analogy? We're, um, we're okay. coming up on it. All right, what do we got? If
1: you got no strikes or one strike on you as a hitter, you look for a belt-high fastball on the inside corner of the plate. But you have two strikes on you, you might need to swing away at a pitch two inches off the outside of the plate. It seems like positions like edge rusher Chris Ballard should be looking for a belt-high fastball in the sweet spot financially when he's got two strikes, but these agents in premium position groups with high-quality players are going to be peppering the outside corner of the plate with fastballs, and Ballard is sitting in the box with his bat on his shoulder and striking out looking. So summarizing, I think discipline in an area of need, impact edge, needs to be more situational, and you need to stretch your financial zone to pull in one of the six or seven impact players in that position.
0: That was really good.
1: I felt like I was watching uh, what's the Clint Eastwood trouble with a curve or whatever. Baseball movie? (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm bad with movies, but I'll take your word for it. I was thinking Reds losing to your Braves watching way too many pitches go by (laughs) in the playoffs. That's where I went.
1: Okay, I'll take that.
0: See, you know, growing up, I was more of a give me a pitch on the outside, half. I I wanted to get the barrel out there.
1: Yeah, I was never good at pulling my hands in, which yeah, is why I'm the behind inside, a microphone. Yeah, inside, I
0: just I don't know. I feel like I'm chopping one. You know, if I if I can get that barrel out there, Hell yeah, yeah, that, that's where I'm going, Barnes. Um, analogy aside, I think this is a terrific question. I I really think discipline has to be situational. Um, how you built your roster in 2017 isn't the same blueprint of how you build your roster in 2021 Mm -hmm. is the general core of your philosophy still there. Yes. But like think back to that 2017 off season, when you cut all those like 30 year old free, you know, the art Joneses and the Mike Adams and the boy, I know I'm forgetting names, Trent Coles and Dequel Jackson's, you know, Patrick Robinson is a corner. Like that's not what you're doing now in 2021. You know and you signed so many guys you know Marcus Hunt and Hankins and John Simon and, and Jabal Sheer and all that like I think now you are adjusting a little bit and misses in the draft I guess has put you in the o2 count to continue mm-hmm. this analogy so the beauty of it is you're you're still having a chance to hit a fastball that is belt high if you will because there was this edge group there and you have this cap space there and mm-hmm. I think adding to, The misses in the draft. You obviously don't enter a draft this year with four picks in the top 100 like you have maybe in years past. So Barnes, spot on. Discipline has to be situational. And discipline can be your overarching theme, but to the standpoint of Frank Reich as a head coach, what you love about Frank Reich is he picks spots to be a very aggressive in. I think that's what you do in free agency. You can be generally disciplined, but when the opportunity presents itself, you don't just kick the feet up and say, "Oh yeah, I bought all the Meyer brands when I went to buy ba- M- Meyer today." You know, sometimes the Meyer donut, you, you got to <laughs> go with the Krispy Kreme <laughs> donut, right. right? Yeah, you know, I I need a little bit of that in my life. So, um, very good, Barnes. That was really good, and it's got me excited for the baseball season. Oh we- yeah, we're not playing till May. Is that right? did didn't they delay the opening day by a bit? Did they? I thought they did. Maybe I'm totally off. Actually, I think I'm off.
1: I hope that. not. I think April first. No, the,
0: the Indians, Indianapolis Indians. Indians okay, that's what I'm thinking
1: of. Yeah, because I think April first, every team or all but two teams are playing. They're making it a big, good a spectacle good. as it should be.
0: Nice. I like that. Um, yeah, I'm thinking of Indianapolis Indians, which another thing we missed out on. I Don't know in Indians game
1: awesome. We're gonna talk. We're gonna stick with the picks with Jorge's question to you. Do you think the way Balor is dealing with free agency this year puts him in a must-trade down position in this year's draft? With six picks and a lot of gaps in the roster, one or two extra picks could be interesting.
0: Jorge, um, it could be, but it goes back to that quality versus quantity debate for me, Chris. Like, I think you got to sit down internally and be like, are you good at corner? Are you good at wideout? If you feel like you can cross those off, or you have crossed those off, Okay comes down to left tackle, edge, and maybe tight end. You know, I, I still think of tight end as an. You know what? I don't. I'm not really in to give give a draft pick up for Zach Ertz. I don't know Zach Ertz no. doesn't do it for me as much as some of these picks being rumored. I'm like, no, nah, I'll draft one in the fourth or fifth round mm-hmm. and see what I got there. Um, I did. I don't know if you saw this. Did you see uh, Frank Reich to Albert Breer on Monday? I did not. By, by chance?
1: No. What do, What did he say?
0: He basically told Breer. That he was kind of walking through how the quarterback position has evolved in his tenure here, you know. Jacob or Andrew to Jacoby to Phillip, and then after Phillip, he was like, We Carson became available, but if Carson didn't become available, we probably would have had to I think it was somewhere we were going to have to figure out how to draft the QB of the future. Um honest. Yeah. Obviously, drums up some hindsight 2020 moving down the road. And it kind of comes back to a little bit of what I was saying a lot in January, February, and March. I guess more like February until the win's trade happened. I felt like the Colts were willing to do something drastic at quarterback. I was not of the opinion of Chris Bauer never trades up. They're not going to do that. I think they were pretty realistic mm-hmm. of like, guys, it's a good quarterback draft class. We've got to kind of look into it. Um, now, the execution of it obviously would have been fascinating to right. see exactly how far you move up, who you would have liked, all of those things. But that certainly caught my eye of um, the uniqueness of Wentz being available, um, push that to the top of the chain at quarterback. But Reich, I thought, was very honest in that. So, um, again, Jorge, to your question, must trade down? No. Are there benefits to trading down? Yes. I'll stand by that. I don't want to trade out of the first round. I'm not a fan of that. I think that's too big of a drop. I think having the fifth-year team option on a on a rookie at a premium yeah. position theoretically is also advantageous to your building moving forward.
1: Yeah. Question from Patrick says, I've been leaning into the idea of drafting positional value and picking only quarterback, offensive tackle, cornerback, edge, and wide receiver in the first round in that order. You can't have too many cost-controlled guys at those positions. If you have a franchise quarterback and then draft another and, and don't then don't draft another unless he's near retirement then the rest of the free agency draft f- to fill the valuable positions if you look at the free agency and trades these are positions that get paid or can bring back the most trade compensation would love your thoughts
0: interesting um so this is kind of an every year philosophy mm-hmm. huh well i a little bit of this chris kind of comes back to the running back debate you know some gms are like oh yeah i'm not going to draft the running back till day three Never gonna draft one on day one or day two. This is similar to that. It, you know, it's kind of the flip of that. Um it is like wild, you know, when you think back to premium positions, you know, if you got Braden Smith or Darius Leonard a few picks higher in round one, and let me make this very clear by no means am I saying like the Colts should have traded into round one, but this is why you do see teams trade back into round one, get that fifth year team option. Yep. I mean, like, look at the. And again, the fifth year team option is going to go up for Quentin Nelson in 2022, but it's not going to go as high as what Quentin Nelson is going to get. Correct. On that next deal. But, like, it is mind boggling the production the Colts have got off Darius Leonard for the money he's made so far and Braden Smith Mm -hmm. for the money he's made so far. Like, astronomical the return on that investment there. Um, So I I hear you out, Patrick, on it. You know, I, I still think there is a little bit of players not position. Like, again, Kyle Pitts, very unique guy at the tight end spot. Um, Is there a unique safety that is just too good to kind of pass up? Yeah. Um, You know, you don't have interior pass rush. I mean, is there a three technique that, oh, my gosh, that's Aaron Donald, folks. Like, we we can't pass that up. Um, I also think something to keep in mind, what Chris Ballard appears to be doing again is he is once again committing a lot into the draft and believing in the draft. They've drafted pretty well. They have. Oh, yeah. But I don't want to put too much pressure on the draft. And I think that's what free agency offers. A different avenue, a second chance, a risky avenue, but another avenue. Because to me, if you put too much pressure on the draft, guys guys become bust. Guys don't work out. Like You can have everything invested in it and be like, this guy is going to work out. And for whatever reason, he just doesn't. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever. Some fluky medical thing that flew under the radar or you didn't know that, you know, Uncle Tad is is a, a huge factor in his life and it's going to c- control his financials and that's going to impact the player on the field. Right. You know, something just... You can do all your homework, but you never know. And that's the beauty and the beast of the NFL draft. So, I... That's where I'm just – I mean, look at Paris Campbell, you know, in the injury situation for, for two years now. I mean, you couldn't predict that. Um, so, yeah, we'll see how all this plays out. But, Patrick, that's that's an interesting point that you bring up.
1: All right, let's go over to a question from Tanner. It says, hey, Kevin, Chris, still very upset about the Vols' lost to Oregon State. Yeah, me too. Me too, Tanner.
0: Dude, what happened? I had Tennessee.
1: It, w- it wasn't close. No. They didn't show up. They didn't get off the bus. Did you go? I did not. Smart. I did not. I watched from – I wa- I had a buddy over who's a Purdue grad, so I watched the Vols lose, and oh then he watched God. Purdue lose. It was a Boy, tears I'm in your beer kind of night say, on oh, Friday. I
0: enough liquor in the building <laughs> for that one. How's the bracket?
1: Oh, busted, just like everyone else's. Yeah. And two of mine I, – so I only filled out three this year. One I had That's Illinois like, winning.
0: Only three? Do you want to fill out ten next year?
1: I mean, how many do you fill out? One. Just one? One. No, I fill out three. I have so many different people who are like, "Hey, do you want to be in the bracket this year?" You know, I've it's kind of like fantasy football. I have like five fantasy teams. Yeah, I got. That's my revenue stream, Kevin. It's this little side pot. Yeah, um, I got you. So yeah, you. Illinois winning in one, Baylor in another, Gonzaga in another. So it's not totally busted, but man, that first round it gets to a point once it's broken enough, you're just rooting for Oral Roberts and you know yeah. all these small teams. So
0: have I ever told you about my Oral Roberts story? No. Okay. So. Quick interject here on the podcast If you don't want to hear about March Madness, fast forward Um, Junior in high school Sophomore in high school, I think And I decide I'm going to pick a 13, a 14, a 15 And a 16 seed all to win Okay Yeah, I'm just, you know, whatever, 16 years old Hoping to, you know, hit puberty, you know, quicker You know, I'm just like, (laughs) come on now and uh, we got golf tryouts, so I got the portable TV on the golf course. Wow! You know, because you you know some long waits, got a lot of guys trying out. You know, you got you got to watch the tournament. And we always got St. Patrick's Day off. We we're the Fighting Irish, yep. you know. Just Love whatever. It. We we get off, so we play eighteen holes in the morning, and uh, that would be part of golf tryouts. So my thirteen seed, boy, I'm trying to think who it was. Who somebody beat Kansas? Bucknell maybe or Cornell or?
1: Uh, Bucknell. One of those. Yes, teams. Bucknell did beat Kansas. They were 15-2.
0: Was it? Okay. When they well, beat him. Some, some 13. Maybe it was Cornell, something like that. And then Northwestern State beats Iowa. Yep. So I'm, I I'm watched two that too.
1: I watched that in class, I remember.
0: My 15 seeds, Winthrop. Chris Lofton hits a game winning shot. You're vaults.
1: I know. Yep. In the
0: corner. I'm on the fifth hole at South Grove. I can see it right now. <laughs> Long par three. And I just, I think I threw the portable TV against the golf bag. So pissed. I can see it. Bottom right corner. Had Lofton. no
1: right to win that game. No. No right to win that
0: game. So my 16 seeds, Oral Roberts. They're playing Memphis. One versus 16. We play 18 holes in the morning. We go to BW3s. And, folks, Oral Roberts is beaten. Memphis late first half. I've got BW3s Channing, no, are you? I mean, we we are loud. We are proud. We are 16 years old. No one is serving us beer by any means. But we've got the degenerates there on a Friday afternoon, Channing, no, are you? They lost by 40. Yep. (laughs) They were up, though. 15 minutes, you know, into the game. I thought the miracle was going to happen. So what I'm getting at is I've always had a soft spot. For Oral Roberts. So here we are. I actually went to George Hill's senior night game when they played Oral Roberts over at the Jungle. Uh, shout out to the Jungle. Great venue over mm-hmm. there. Sean Esposito, terrific three-point shooter inside of the Jungle. So, um, Oh, are you? Well, let's hop on the bandwagon. Love Arkansas? It. I believe that, that's yeah. who they got.
1: I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. Let's go.
0: All right. That was our March Madness rant. Back to sports.
1: Well, Tanner continues on. Here's the hashtag. Hashtag t- bring ty home is blowing up on Twitter. It says, I love him, but I'm not all the way in love with the idea of bringing him back. He had some, pr- some good production towards the end of the season, but the beginning of the season left a bad taste in my mouth. Without Andrew, we haven't seen him get close to getting back to that elite level that we saw a few years ago. Am I crazy for being all right with the possibility of him not being a Colt?
0: You know, Tanner, I think it's really important that we define the value of you will commit to T.Y. Hilton. You're right. He's not the leading receiver in the NFL like he was in 2016. Andrew Luck is not his quarterback. Well, that means you don't have to hand him $15 million a year. Like, if you give him affordable and reasonable mm-hmm. and fair market for what he's shown, then then I'm good with it. Um, now, again, I can hear you about the young wideouts, and, you know, I've, I've gone back and watched that Buffalo game a whole lot, and I've looked into that more and more. It was... T.Y. Hilton was a ghost in that game. We, You know, he had a couple chances at contested grabs. They would have been difficult early on in that game, but you'd like your number one wide out to – I mean, Stephon Diggs made some grabs in that game that were like, whoa. Um, I think T.Y. had one target in the final 50 minutes, something like that. It just – I can hear the people out that are like a little bit skeptical. But, again, if you give the proper value in the market – And I also consider and acknowledge T.Y. physically to me didn't look like he was over the cliff last year. I think Carson Wentz will help him tap into more of his strong suits. And I guess we also sit here and say, who else? Because that's kind of where we're at, at the whiteout market. Um, Again, if you're going to make me pick Watkins or Hilton, I'm probably picking Hilton. I I really would want both if you're going to make me go that route. But I don't want Watkins over Hilton, I don't think. I know he's younger, but... That kind of worries me a little bit. So. Yeah,
1: and I'd love to see what a healthy Paris Campbell could do with Ugh. do for Hilton. You know,
0: uh, Frank Reich loves him, loves him some uh, some Campbell.
1: All right, question from Gato says, I keep hearing that we aren't spending because we're saving money to re sign guys like Leonard and Nelson. How much money are those guys going to demand, and is it really so much that we should be handcuffed now?
0: Well, I mean, Leonard's going to demand a lot. Let's start there. I mean, Bobby Wagner is the top of the linebacker market, and Leonard's going north of that. Um, I mean, Darius Leonard's probably going to look at $18, 20000000 a year.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, that's just what he's done. The Nelson thing's a little bit more interesting, Chris. You know, I remember a few years ago, Zach Martin signed that big deal, six for 84, I want to say it was. So six, uh, four, 14? Four, yeah, 14 a year. Um, with heavy guarantees, that was probably the bigger thing on that. Now, what Trent Williams just signed a huge one. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it was six for like one forty ish. So you you got to think Nelson, Nelson's gonna be a lot closer to Trent Williams than he is to Zach Martin. I mean, Zach Martin was again three years ago. Yeah. So I mean, just in general, that's gonna go up. Um, man, Nelson's gonna get a lot, dude. And I just think you have to pay these guys. I know they're, it's a small minority, but I hear from a few of them of, like, you don't pay a linebacker, you don't pay a guard. Like, I hear that from people. Um, I've got someone you know, that, that's tweeting on me. Mean, you trade Nelson. I, I, I don't go there when you commit yourself as a franchise to where you took those players, and they've been such pillars for you right. on and off the field. You don't do that. No. Um, you, you've committed to them being franchise players, and they're really, obviously, freaking great players for you. Um, but, you know, to Gatto's question, let, let, let me make it, again, very clear. You can extend them, and it will not impact the cap this year in a, in a significant manner. So do not fall for that narrative, folks. I know that narrative's out there. You know, Chef Derney and Rappaport got a hold of it last week, like at the same time. They both tweeted it, like within five minutes yep, of a, yep. each other. Peter King got it in his Monday morning quarterback column. I don't know where. You know, who from the Colts or where that's coming from, but don't don't believe it. That's not, that's a, if the Colts wanted to spend money, they could still do it and extend Leonard and Smith. And, and again, Nelson does not need to be extended this offseason. You've got him under yeah. team control for for 2022. But um, I think the nice thing is this we saw the new TV deal during the meat of their contracts Smith, Nelson, Leonard. That's when the cap is really, right. really going to rise. So that's where I do think you can kind of go against a little bit of Chris Ballard's normal MO, and, and you can backload. And to me, I look at him like, I'm not worried about Nelson. I'm not worried about Leonard. I can backload those deals. So that's how I would, I would approach things.
1: Yeah, and that's a good problem to have. If, if, my, if one of my problems, quote-unquote, is I got to pay these guys because of how much they're producing, then I've drafted well. I'm yeah, taking it.
0: Definitely, definitely.
1: This one's from Jordy. Says, "Hey Kevin, is there merit to the idea that Chris Ballard isn't s- as sold on Carson Wentz as Frank Wright is, and is keeping from going, t- and is keeping from going big in free agency? Could Ballard be thinking, you know, Reich, I believe in fixing Wentz, but let's give it a year before I commit to big resources. Show it to me on the field first, and once he knows he's got his QB of the future, then he goes for it. This might be me trying to rationalize why Ballard isn't doing what I want, which is to spend in free agency." Maybe Ballard just doesn't. Maybe Ballard just doesn't spend big in free agency, no matter what. But what are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, Jordy, it's it's a kind of a funny question. Um, I mean, you can't just keep on kicking the can down the street, you know. Of like, oh, I need him to show it first, and then I'll commit. No, I mean, come on, now this is year five. Like, and I think Carson Wentz needs support now. I mean, this year for Carson Wentz is vitally important. He's got to get back on track. He's got to show you that he is the guy. Um, I just think this is his general belief. He doesn't spend big. Like, that's him.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Argue it, debate it, whatever. But that's him. Um, You know, Chris has got to believe in Frank Wright, too. And I think that's where this move comes back to, all of that. So I don't think this is like Chris Ballard sitting there and being like, I'm a huge skeptic. I want nothing to do with this. At the end of the day, Chris Ballard makes these personnel decisions. Yeah. He respects and trusts the opinion of a lot of people in that organization, no more so than Frank Reich, but this is on Chris Ballard's watch. And, you know, it's funny. You hear, you know, whatever, crazy deals that happen at any business, whether it's whatever, Benny Off at Salesforce or Jeff Bezos when when he was at Amazon. Like, you never hear, oh, the second and third in charge might have really influenced those decisions. But at the end of the day, the only person that we are criticizing Mm – are the are are the you know faces of those businesses? Well, I think it's similar here. Yeah, we know Frank Reich had a lot of say in it, but ultimately Chris Ballard's the one that pulls this trade off. So Ballard better believe in it. And I don't think that's. Uh, I hear you, Jord- Jordy, but I don't think it's that. I did just quickly, Chris. I I know we didn't touch much on the Carson Wentz, Jim Irsay stuff from last week. We heard from them after the podcast. I did like. Wentz has mentioned, you know, he's already worked out with Pittman. Mm -hmm. He mentioned something about taking the offensive linemen out on kind of a hunting trip. Yep. You know, just some things like that to go around the country. I do think those are some good aspects of trying to build some, just, hey, this is who I am. uh, Because, you know, who knows what the offseason program is going to look like in the spring.
1: Yeah, I liked, uh, I don't know if you saw his interview with McAfee. Obviously Pat Pat brings out the most candid responses in people. That's what he's really good at. And that was
0: in, in person, which was nice.
1: Yeah, and it was clear that, you know, a lot of what we hear is what the Philly media lets us hear. You know, he's, he's stated a couple different times. I told him this, and every time they asked me, it just never got out because there was no headline there for them. So, you know, you kind of get jaded by what you hear from other media. So.
0: Right. Now, welcome to hmm, media climate here in <laughs> yeah.
1: 2021. Stephen wants to know why the Colts don't go after Javion Clowney. He says that he knows he's not the sack producer but he's a great at run defense, and he'll be a three-down defensive end, and he can get a lot of quarterback pressures. That should make everyone else on the D-line better, or he might be able to produce some more sacks now that he would be playing next to DeForest Buckner. This could also be the best year to sign him because he's cheaper right now. What do you think about that?
0: Yeah, man, Clowney's been such a mystery, Chris. So hard to pinpoint. I think for all NFL teams. Yeah. Like, you see why he's on the market for so long. You see why he's had lack of production as well. I just... Part of me is just like he wants too much money. The injury and the lack of production would scare me a little bit there. Um, I get it. I'm all for upgrading that position group. But unless he really, really took a big decrease in pay, I'm probably sitting it out. You know, I found it interesting, going back to the Ursa stuff from last week, Chris, the impression I got walking away from that interview was he feels pretty good about his defense. It's really the offense that he mm-hmm. want You know, you mentioned the dynamic playmakers, right? Um, yeah, I guess if you're gonna like put a gun to my head and see like what needs more offense or defense, I'd probably lean towards offense. But again, I it's not like the defense was was perfect late in that season, guys. So I, I just want to make sure we don't totally like he never mentioned edge rusher when talking about needs. Mm-hmm. Like, is that just a a slip, or is that like no? I think we're good there. Which I don't know. I don't. <laughs> I don't agree with, and yeah, I know a lot of people were messaging me about this, and I got an article posted on it tomorrow on the site. Jim echoed some phrase about Chris Ballard that the thing that he – one of the things that makes Chris Ballard great at his job is he knows when to walk away from deals. Mm-hmm. Um, he said something to the point of, you know, there's been times where I want to sweeten the deal, Frank wants to sweeten the deal, and Chris walks away from it. Now, that, that will make people mad that – are like, why aren't we spending more? Um, but it it's just, it's fascinating how Ursay's evolved a bit in that thinking of really preaching patience with this, of like, yes, he would like to spend, I think, a little bit more, but he also, and I guess this goes for any of you that think Jim Ursay meddles. No, clearly not. He wants he lets Chris Ballard do whatever the hell he wants to mm-hmm. do. Even at, at times, it frustrates him that they aren't you know adding just a little bit uh, to play. And and, and Urse made it very clear that like the pandemic has not contributed at all to the lack of spending or anything like that.
1: This next one comes from John. He says, I know that free agency is far from over, but the top talent is pretty much gone. If Chris Ballard genuinely doesn't make any splash signing this year, and we assume left tackle is pinned for our first round pick, how much can we trust the depth pieces to step up in starting roles? Right now EJ Speed, Kamoko Ture. Ben Banagoo are all starters, and I don't feel really great about any of that.
0: Well, John, it is March twenty fourth. You know, I, I guess I'll throw that out there. Yes, like you said, a, a lot is off the board, but I still think there are some names out there that would allow Kamoko Turi to be more of a third down guy for you, and you don't start Ben Banagoo. And I guess EJ Speed. I mean, yeah, yes, you're, you're right, but again, a third linebacker they don't play a whole lot. Yeah, against the Titans, you 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 do. Um, you know, it's probably something to get into a little bit later in the offseason, Chris, but, like, you look at the five big needs for the Colts this offseason, and we're, we are still early. Like, yeah. we will not get into this until after the draft, but you look at quarterback, wideout, edge rush, left tackle, corner. You know, where have you upgraded? Quarterback, I think, down the road, but I think some people would argue – you know, in the short term, Philip Rivers is a better quarterback than Carson Wentz for a year. Now, I don't. We we can debate that, but it's just for now. There's no crystal clear upgrades, yeah. Just yet. Now, if Michael Pittman takes a big jump and you resign Ty Hilton, then you've definitely upgraded there. Corner. If all of a sudden Rocky Sine finds lightning in a bottle, if Marvel Tell returns, mm-hmm. then you've upgraded there. Edge rush and left tackle. Right now, it's certainly step. Back um, and really, left tackle is probably going to be that no matter what happens. That's just the case when a ten-year great player right. decides to hang it up. So, um, yeah.
1: All right, from Thomas. If the free agent market for pass rusher is on fire right now, can we assume that the pass rush can we assume that pushes pass rush down the board, draft board? Yep.
0: Yeah, that, that that's a good point, Thomas. Um, I still think teams view that position as just, hey, if the right guy's there. I mean, look at how Washington has built their team lately. Tons of first-round draft capital in that D-line. Look at San Francisco, you know, from a few years ago. So it is a good point, Tom. I think in general we'll see defenders push down the board. And, you know, the more I kind of look into it, the more I come back to a couple of guys from Northwestern that I think would be intriguing to the Colts. And we'll get into more draft stuff here early April, but I know you guys are always kind of pressing me for it. If Rashawn Slater, the offensive lineman, fell a little bit, Oh boy, that'd be a name that trading up would, mm-hmm. would, would make some sense. i um, Greg Newsom, their, their their corner as well.
1: His forty, Whew.
0: yeah. And uh, I think there's kind of a top three or four corners that have emerged a little bit there. And you know, I, I like what Pat Fitzgerald has done. I think he, I think he produces some some pretty good humans. Obviously, Northwestern alone as a right. university speaks for itself. Anthony Walker coming from there, but. I think there's a lot of reason to tap into the Northwestern pipeline. Yeah, and not just because they covered the first half spread against Ohio State in the (laughs) Big Ten championship, which won me a lot of money.
1: Yeah, their uh, cornerback—they got a kid from North Central who's going to play corner. Really? Pretty quick.
0: I know they had a cathedral offensive lineman a few years ago, and yeah, I mean, if Brian Kelly for some reason ever left, boy, I would—I'd crawl from South Bend to Evanston to try to convince uh, Pat Fitzgerald and Rosie would crawl with me.
1: (laughs) How's she doing? You said you you were on daddy duty this weekend.
0: Oh yeah, uh, Rosie and I a lot of lot of pigs or uh, not pigskin, a lot of lot of ball uh, basketball we watched there. She was great. I mean, boy, I never knew I could crawl that much around the house, and <laughs> yeah, I actually can move a little bit better. You yeah. know in, in that position than I thought I could. So, outstanding mom had a great time at the bachelorette party. Shout out to Jenna Fisher, diehard Colts fan, um, for her bachelorette action in Florida. Rosie was happy to see mom. Uh, I'm sure walk, walk walk through the door, but. You know, I look at it as similar to, I don't know, maybe how Houston feels now that they're in the Sweet 16, survive and advance. Rosie and I survived (laughs) and we've advanced. And uh, shout-out to all stay-at-home moms or stay-at-home dads because that is not an easy job.
1: Job well done. All right, back to a question from Tanner. Would it be safe to say if something happened to DeForest Buckner that we would have the worst defensive line in football? Said, I just can't get over this. Uh, Question for Chris as well. I'm a Vols fan, too. Oh, do you crazy. think we are cursed for eternity? Yes, I do. <laughs> what what did we do to deserve this? Everything. Firefoot Fulmer. I'm having a bad week as a fan. <laughs> Down bad right now.
0: That's all. Yeah, uh, let's go. Two-second moment of silence for Tanner. All right. Um, <laughs> worst D-line of football. I mean, come on, Tanner. Let's not go there. I, I, I guess if you really were writing into depth chart today, would the D-line look a little bit? I don't know. Grover Stewart and Tyquan Lewis, that's a decent D-tackle group. I don't know. It's not worse than the NFL. So, Tanner, I, I don't know. Prayers for you, man. But upgrades are needed on that on that unit, for sure.
1: All right. Conroy asks, given the situation Carson dealt with in Philly with having a young quarterback in Jacob Eason and developing behind him, how do you think that rela- relationship might play out? Something to be concerned about, or is this a big old
0: nothing burger? Yeah, I'd think nothing burger. And honestly, Conroy, it better be a nothing burger. I would hope not. You know, like, <laughs> Carson, I don't know what that was. I, I get it. Jalen Hurts, there's some hype there, you know, whatever. Had a great run in Alabama and Oklahoma. And a second-round pick's different than a fourth-round pick, which that's what I came on coming back to. Jalen Hurts was taken about, what, 70 spots higher than Jacob Eason? Like, it's not apples to apples. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, I think the Colts have tempered the Eason expectations big time, which... You know, probably helps, but no, you, Carson Wentz, you got to get over that. Jacob Eason could very well be this team's backup. Live with it. You're 28. You've gotten a second chance. If that impacts you, I don't want you trying to lead a fourth quarter comeback in the month of January.
1: Exactly. All right. This is from Ethan, who made a Twitter just to ask you this question.
0: Wow, Ethan! Come on, Love brother. It. Let's go.
1: Says, do you think Chris Ballard is trolling his own team by, sign- by not signing free agents? Maybe he fills this roster Super Bowl ready and just waiting on young guys to fill out to the peak of their development. In my opinion, if you sign a guy like Kyle Fuller or Keanu Neal, that would solidify the secondary, and maybe he brings back Justin Houston or drafts Gregory Rousseau. Also, would love Villanueva. He's a low-key top 15 left tackle, and next to Quentin Nelson, he could break the, the top 10 maybe. What are your thoughts?
0: Boy, Ethan, I don't know this Twitter account if you handed Chris Ballard another 100 million, but that's quite the, you know, obviously some of those guys have, have signed elsewhere, but that's um that's a hell of an offseason right there. Um Imagine a GM trolling his own team like that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> "Here's my multi-billion dollar <laughs> franchise and I'm going to just troll him."
1: I feel like the Jets have done that for years though. And yeah, I, and the and the Bears.
0: <laughs> I, I was going to say, I guess in some markets that might be an actual debate. Um you know, Ballard's listed his needs. You know, he's 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 throwing that out there. Um, I'll say this, Ethan. I get believing in your own, and inevitably, like, how roster management and the cap and draft picks work, you do believe in some of your own. But I want some insurance. You know, and I know Robert Mathis, I think, tweeted. I don't know if you saw the Mathis tweet earlier this week of um, –
1: Talking about Kamoko. Yeah. Uh huh.
0: So what was it? It was like Frank, you've taken care of quarterback. You know, Chris, you've got me. I don't know Buckner or whatever. I've got the pass rusher. I've got Kamoko. Right. That's awesome. Great internal belief. If it pumps up Kamoko, Turi, terrific. But man, I, I I want some insurance. That position means too much. Years are too precious in the NFL. Mm hmm. I'm not afraid of impacting guys' psyches. It's competition. It's the f- effing national, f- effing football right. league, folks. Like, build it. Build the competition, create the competition, and make sure you have insurance policies because freak things happen. Freak things happen during NFL season, especially if it goes to 17 games.
1: Luka says a guy like Kyle Fuller getting cut has to be why Ballard holds off on the first wave, right?
0: Luka? Doncic.
1: Luca, Hell, heck, yeah. 77. Let's roll.
0: I forgot that's the number.
1: <laughs> it's a great number. Wouldn't count against compens- compensatory. He's 29 years old, and I love this part: 92 percentile in arm length. Great zone corner. If he's not signed by your next pod, would love to hear your thoughts.
0: Uh Luke, I love, I love the uh, the old research there. Fuller, did I see Broncos. Is, that, Is right? that where
1: he ended up going?
0: I think so. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Broncos. Um. Yeah, to to Lucas' point here, I guess let's focus a little bit on the compensatory picks. I think right now, if you look at kind of the over the cap projections, I want to say it's a fifth and two sixth. The Colts would be getting so far, and we'll see how the rest of everything plays out. You know, if the Colts make any other moves or what happens, mm-hmm. but it's nice, but it's also a fifth and two sixth. Like, it's not you know huge, huge returns for going down that path but um, yeah Luca if Kyle Fuller you know if Xavier Rhodes wouldn't have happened I, I do think the Kyle Fuller thing would have been interesting.
1: This question comes from old Daner. remember in 2019 when Chris Ballard and Frank Reich made examples of Will Fuller and DeAndre Hopkins making explosive plays were game changers what's the hypocrisy meter at the at with passing on literally every offensive game changer this every offensive game changer every offseason?
0: Old you know, Daner, I don't have – I don't recall that specifically. It sounds something like they might have said. Obviously, Ursa has mentioned Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, but I don't recall that specifically. Um, And obviously, I'm going to push back a little bit on every offseason they pass on every game changer. Yes, have they indra- Have they invested significant capital at tight end? Outside of Ebron, no. Wide receiver, I mean, a couple of, you know, big picks. And Campbell and Pittman, obviously, for agency, they haven't. Mm-hmm. And let's be very – I mean, they did trade up and draft Jonathan Taylor. You talk about offensive game changer. And as soon as that pick happened, they were like, we need explosive playmaking. We need a guy that can take it to the house. And what was it? Raiders game, one of those games late in the year. You know, Taylor started the second half and did that. So I'll push back a little bit on that. But, you know, you do obviously have good points in the fact that wideout has probably been the one position – through free agency they have not gone after. And and I guess tied in. You would throw in there as well.
1: Rob asks, what the odds that the Colts sign a free agent left tackle and then pull a first round trade for a proven edge rusher?
0: Oh man, I think slim, Rob. Um, yeah, I think the, the fifth year rookie option, again, is key for me. I just think the Sam Tevy slash Julian Davenport, whenever it happens, I just think that's depth. Depth, depth, depth. I think your charter still comes through the draft.
1: This one's from Alec. Based on zero research, I seem to recall Colt's Twitter having a lot of hate for giving Xavier Rhodes a shot last year. Following a horrible season, doesn't Carson Wentz sort of feel like deja vu but ratcheted up slightly with the appropriate corresponding quarterback compensation?
0: Yeah, Alec, I guess you could say that. Um, now, with the full notion of like quarterback versus cornerback are vastly different expectations and yes. positions. Now, I will say something different about Rhodes was, remember, a big kind of change in scheme. You know, a lot of heavy zone here versus the man. Uh, but coaching connection, you know, Jonathan Gannon, Frank Reich, obviously that speaks for itself there. So, yeah, Alec, um, I, I, you had zero research, but I think it's a different – I don't know, was there a lot of hate for Rhodes?
1: I think from Vikings fans more than Colts fans. Yeah,
0: I feel like – I don't know, I, I was like, kick the tires. My disagreement was I thought Pierre Desir should have stayed and should just kind of let the competition play out. I thought you still had money for that, but, you know, we know how that went.
1: This question comes from Matt says most Colts fans love Chris Ballard and he's done a great job managing this team through some tough times. That said, he hasn't drafted really talented defensive line or skill position players, wide receiver and corner to be specific. Do you think this is a gap of his or do you think drafting in the NFL is just really hard and eventually he'll get it right?
0: Good good question, Matt. Um I think drafting the NFL, I think drafting in general is the hardest thing to do for mm-hmm. any, any league. Can you imagine drafting baseball high schoolers?
1: No. And the the more I go back to even, you know, you go back and watch a high school football game or basketball game, I don't know how people scout those kids. Because you go back and you're like, I was this small at one point? Yeah. I could never project that that guy's going to turn into a 6'8", 280. Yeah.
0: Especially those Euro guys. Yeah. You know? I have read a long story on Mike Trout where... There are certain MLB franchises that will not scout that part of the country. Trout, a New Jersey kid, yep. will not or will not take a high schooler, maybe from that part of the country. It's like, nope, too cold weather, competition isn't good enough, won't be, <laughs> won't be ready. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's the most difficult thing in the world for the people in those positions. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah, I watched a documentary on Trout last week, and they're like. He's not from Texas, so we just don't value any, any kid from New Jersey that well. Like, okay.
0: Yeah, but again, I mean, if you look at the percentages, the percentages will probably agree with like mm-hmm. teams that are like that. So I actually think the NFL, it's the easiest drafting of the leagues um, just because they play three years in college. They're more mature. You have this ready-made combine right there for you. You get a lot of hands-on stuff. Right. just don't feel like the NBA and MLB offer those sorts of things. Uh, Matt, again, really good question. You know, maybe a slight gap of his, but I fully acknowledge that's a difficult position. It's a difficult position to um, draft, evaluate, draft, and find impact. Yeah, I, I, you know, next time we talked about, it, I, I will ask him, you know, or try to ask him. I guess I should say, you know, have your traits changed at all, and what you value in edge rushers.
1: Mm-hmm. All right, five more Twitter questions left. This one's from Sam. Ask with the looming Nelson, Leonard, and Smith extensions coming. Do you think Quentin Nelson and Darius Leonard will get market-setting money at their respective positions, or will they get market-setting money at their position as a whole? Also, how important is it for the Colts to get ahead of the Darius Leonard and Braden Smith extensions? Because with every new market-setting deal that their peers sign, it only raises their contract and the longer the Colts wait.
0: Sam, terrific. Terrific. Terrific question. I actually thought this question was so good, I threw it to Stephen Holder this morning on the Fan Morning Show when I filled in. I think Darius Leonard sets the market for his entire position group. I don't think Will, Mike, Sam – no. Darius Leonard I think will be the highest-paid linebacker without question ever in the NFL. Nelson's probably more the debate. I – I listen to Jim Say talk about him, and I'm like, how the hell is he not going to – this is where meddling going to happen. Yeah. Like, this is where Jim Mercey is going to say, give that dude whatever the <laughs> hell he wants. Like, I built that hockey rink in my backyard. Give him that. That hockey he, rink's awesome. If he wants it, awesome. Um, and honestly, Chris, like, Barry Sanders, Quentin Nelson, three-time All-Pros in their first three years, the NFL, that's it. Like, don't they deserve it, you know? Like, I <laughs> – it doesn't Quentin deserve that just absurdly massive offensive line contract? I know guard to tackle money is a big, big difference, but, man, part of me thinks that they do it. But that, that is a good point you make on the final part. I, I don't think it's, like, hugely important, but, you know, the more that the Trent Williams and the Bobby Wagners and whoever else sign – it does continue to raise up that that market value.
1: Kevin, this question comes from Chase. says, Not too much of a question about the free agency class, but next year's instead. Is there a further urgency to re sign Darius Leonard based on the other players coming up next year? The market right now is CJ Mosley at seventeen per year, Bobby Wagner eighteen per year, eighteen million, I should say. Is getting Leonard's deal done before the Fred Warner and Vander Esch important? Hmm. My hope is that they can get it done maybe five years, $95 million, and set the market. My fear is these teams will clear cap space through trading Jalen Smith or not re-signing Trent Williams and have to sign those guys that will push Darius's deal over $100 million. What say you? Sorry for the long question. Hope all is well with you, Chris, and the family.
0: Thanks, Chase. Same to you. That was a really good question. Um, it kind of builds off, I guess, the previous one. Um, yeah, I— I think Leonard's agent's going to make sure his client is setting the bar for that entire group. And, and yeah, I mean, Fred Warner and Van Der Esch, they're going to get big deals. I would think Warner more than Van Der Esch, but who knows. You know, five-year, 95 mil, I mean, that seems pretty fair. You know, it's 19 a year. Yeah. I mean, that, that would set the market and, 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 and reset it. Um, so, yeah, that definitely builds off our, our previous question. And I would be very surprised – if we got to week one of the 2021 season and Darius Leonard and Brain Smith were still playing on their rookie contracts. The Hines one's a little bit different of a debate, and we, we can get into that later in the offseason.
1: This one's from Damon Haykev. How do you see the Colts addressing the offensive line depth issue in the offseason? Is tackle draft priority number one? Are there any vets or big-name guys hitting the free agency market?
0: Well, you know, swing swing tackle, um, clearly, and, and Damon probably sent this in before we've seen the news of Sam Tevy and a, mm-hmm. I guess a little bit of Julian Davenport. I think you're decent on the interior. But with Loraven Clark, Chaz Green, his free agents, I thought you need to make a couple moves. So looks like you've made some depth moves and now it's find the big hog in the draft.
1: Yeah. All right, let's jump to two more questions here. Cool. As I try and turn the page. From Colin, you've noted in the past that you are taking a flyer on a former first-round pick that hasn't really panned out and hasn't really panned out on his first team. How about taking a flyer on a third overall pick in Solomon Thomas? He's not a big-name free agent, from what I've read, due to a season-ending injury, and probably wouldn't command serious money. At worst, you just added a 25-year-old depth piece to the defensive line. What say you?
0: Man, <laughs> Solomon Thomas. I, I I thought this dude would be a pretty good football player. Yeah. Yeah, adding to the NFL draft issues. I, did I read he's, like, playing D-tackle now?
1: Is he? I don't know.
0: I thought he was, like, a stand-up 3-4 at one point. Talk about a bus. I don't even know where he plays. Um, Boy, I don't know if Solomon Thomas would even make the roster, <laughs> to be honest with you, uh, Colin. But you know how I feel. Former first-round picks, why not? As long yeah. as they don't think they can carry a little bit of money in them. So, sure, um, you need depth with that group. You still need some more bodies. Definitely need some more D-line bodies, period. Probably more out on the edge, though.
1: And the last one for this episode comes from Jason. How much impact do you expect taking a year off has for the opt-out players already in the league? Not able to use team facilities, another year older, a year off from being in football shape, etc.? cetera.
0: Yeah, Jason, that's that's a good question. You know, I I think the Marvell Tell, you know, specifically for him, I would say it was his just – his development inside of a position room. hmm Working with Jonathan Gannon every day in the practice field. Like, these guys still stay in shape. I mean, hell, they all work out on their own anyways in the offseason. Hardly anybody's ever, you know, going to the Colts complex on a routine right. basis unless you're rehabbing. So, um, and, and, you know, it, it is still a lot of remote training, but – I would just say specifically with him, it was less of like, is he staying in shape and more of like he's missing out on some of the characteristics of like he needs to learn the corner position Mm -hmm. and just get reps, trial and error. I mean, that's how that corner group can so often be. All
1: right, Kev, that wraps up Twitter questions for this podcast.
0: Cool, man. All right, well, when the T.Y. Hilton News breaks in two hours, (laughs) we'll have an emergency pod, but I don't know. We'll see how it all plays out. Uh, Got some stuff on the site. Uh, about Carson Wentz, Michael Pittman, a little bit of a throwing session there. Um, some Jim Say info. I know we didn't get a lot into that, so got a couple written articles up on the site. And man, with April getting here next week, we'll, we'll start to dive a little bit more into the draft. I, um, I do tentatively. I, I need to talk with the powers of the beast. This might be a bit premature, Chris, but I'm hoping that we can get a beers with Bowen in. Yes. The night before the draft. Are you good with that?
1: Absolutely. Heck yeah.
0: I guess if you would have said no, I would have been mad. So thank you for saying yes. <laughs> um, so April 28th, that that Wednesday night is kind of what we're looking at for beers with Bowen action. So stay tuned for that. And uh, yeah, man. Anything else?
1: Yeah. A couple, couple different things. One, again, if you go to 1075thefan.com and go to the contest page, we do have an opportunity to get a VIP trip to the Hall of Fame oh, yeah. uh, induction awesome. ceremonies this summer. So go ahead. Um, and register there. We will have four different winners. So, um, trying to you know get a nice little Colts caravan heading over to Canton, and then obviously with the the bets coming up, go ahead and take a look at the Prop Swap website. Really excited that they came on board to sponsor the podcast, and the promo code is Guide. Correct, yep, Kevin?
0: G U I D E. Again, that's 100% match deposit bonus up to $500. So. I think it's fun. You know, it's one of these things where I saw one of the props they had of, like, Oral Roberts to win the West Regions. Mm-hmm. Basically, what you're getting with this is you're getting odds at the start of the season, or right. or, or maybe the start of the tournament, yep. I guess I should say, at Oral Roberts. Well, now their odds have skyrocketed, and, and they're much, much worse than what you got at the start of the tournament. So if Oral Roberts upsets Arkansas on Friday or whenever they play, now, or Saturday, all of a sudden, They're one game away from winning that region, so you could sell that ticket, make much more money than you bought it, and now you've hedged theoretically really, really well. So I think that's just some of the intrigue about Prop Swap. So definitely check that out. And as Chris said, thank you to those guys for hopping on board with us. All right, everybody, enjoy the weekend. Hope Indy has great weather. And if you're able to get out, certainly enjoy that. Get to the games as well. I'll be downtown in a couple spots. I'll be at 10 Roof Saturday from 6 to 8 p.m., and District Tap from 4 to 6 on Sunday. Stop by there, and uh, we'll be doing some stuff at both of those places. Love it. He's Chris Presley. I'm Kevin Bowen. Everybody have a great week, and thanks for listening to Kevin's Corner.